Welcome to another episode of Kingdom Talk. I'm Pastor Saul, and I want to welcome you, all the listeners and the audience with us today. We have a very, very interesting show for you today. As always, I'm here in our studios in City of Brotherly Love, and uh, with us is Sister Yvette from sunny Florida. God bless you, Yvette. God bless everyone. How are you feeling today, Yvette? Good. Awesome. Uh, with us today, we have a really good friend, known her for a very, very long time, and a very deep, intelligent, passionate uh, person. Her name is Lori, Lori Turner. And uh, Lori is an elementary school teacher in Northern Virginia, and she has a Christian blog to encourage teens and young women. It's Lori Beth with two H's at the end.com, Lori Beth.com. Uh, she's passionate to help young teenagers and women. She is part of a ministry called Redemption, which we're going to talk about a little bit today. It's a, it's a new ministry in the D.C. area with the goal of fighting sex trafficking. So I want to welcome you, Lori. God bless you. God bless you. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Um, I've known you for a long time, and I, I, I was fortunate to meet you in Temple University when we were freshmen. You remember? Yes. That was a good time. <laughs> yeah, it was such a blessing because, um, you know, I got to meet her, and, you know, I was talking about church, and I was talking about the Lord, and... She was one of the first ones that approached me and said, you know, oh, wow, do you go to a church? I'm Christian. And, you know, I, I grew up in, in Hazleton. At that time, she still lived in Hazleton, PA. And she was coming to school at Temple in Philly. And she's like, I'm looking for a church. And can I join you? And I thought that was awesome and, and, and brave, you know, to be able to come to a new city and still follow your faith, which I thought that was awesome. And she ended up coming with us to church, you know, while she was here in Philly and um, we created a, a great friendship. I remember one of the one of the great memories that I have with Lori is that uh, when I was in freshman year, there was so much going on uh, in my personal life, and we were in this English class, and you know we're halfway through the semester, and I couldn't even, you know, I didn't even have the book yet. I don't know how I was doing in that class, but I didn't even have the book yet. I couldn't afford the book, you know, and I never said anything, but. Lori knew that I didn't have the book, and I remember that she went to this uh, bookstore. What was it Z Zavell's, Lori? Yeah. <laughs> and she actually got me the book, and I was like, wow, I was so grateful. And, you know, that was so long ago, you know, almost, what, maybe 15 years ago. And, yep. and I'm just, it's still one of those memories that's in the back of my mind. And ever since, you know, then, she's, I just knew she was genuine, and we, we became good friends. And I'm just grateful, you know, to call her a friend and a sister in Christ. So thank you for that, Lori. Oh, thank you so much, Soul. You've been a, a blessing, and I honestly, you were a godsend in, in Philly and Temple. I was so hungry to find a church and just other people that had the same faith, so it was just so great to meet you. <laughs> That's awesome, and I thank you for that. And um, today, I wanted to talk about something that you're passionate about, but before we get into that, Lori, uh, you're a, an elementary school teacher, and tell us a little bit about that, and tell us a little bit about your husband. Oh, yeah. So I actually teach um, English language learners here in Northern Virginia, and um, I love it. I work with students around a lot of different countries. Um, my husband is an awesome man of God. We've been married almost six months, and he's also a teacher here in Virginia. He works with middle school kids. So we have that uh, part of us in common. We really love helping youth and young people. That is so beautiful because uh, Yvette, we, we've had this conversation about how the young people right now, more than ever, you know, we, we need to be their rescue. We need to be their, their mentors. There's so many young people that are just being lost in the world right now. And unfortunately, you know, they're dealing with so many things like addictions and 
uh, they're battling uh, self-esteem issues and they're dealing with um, the lack of financial resources in their lives, you know, lack of uh, good schooling and sometimes just the bare necessities, you know, a, a, a warm home in the winter and things like that. And we've talked about how much of an influence we need to be to the young crew, right, Yvette? Yeah, talk about in a couple of our podcasts how important it is, um, you know, for the youth to have different resources available to them so that they're not stuck in the same cycle, you know, either running the streets or, you know, not having an education and things like that. So me and Sal would we also, you know, uh, know how important it is to have these different resources for the youth and to be involved in the youth. Amen. And uh, Lori, um, I want to ask you. I know that you got into education and I know you're passionate about the young people and the children. And um, before we talk about you have this great blog, which I read and it really spoke to me. It, it was a passionate, heartfelt, open letter, you know, basically of something that you went through growing up. And we're going to get into it. But before we do, I'm very curious and I'm very interested in this new ministry called Redemption. Can you speak to us a little bit about what that is and how long you've been in this ministry? Sure. So this is actually a very new ministry. Um, started up with a few friends of mine here in the Northern Virginia, D.C. area, and we are really just getting our feet wet. Um, we have really heard so much about sex trafficking and really not sure about how many people know about um, how many young women, young girls, and even children um, are involved in sex trafficking in the United States, but especially in our area, the numbers are pretty high. So we uh, just want to get out, do some outreaches, um, and pray for victims. Uh, we want to minister to anyone who's involved in it. Um, and we are just actually now being trained on how we would go about doing those things. So we haven't gotten out anywhere yet, obviously, because of the lockdowns and things like that. But once everything opens back up, we're planning to go to kind of those dark areas where no one really wants to go. We just feel like a mandate from God to do something about this evil that's happening and do whatever we can to kind of get involved. So we are just starting out <laughs> Amen. Wow. And that is powerful. And let me tell you something. That is something that not only is it going to bring so many people to be free in Christ, because ultimately these things come with so many chains and, and, and we're binded by so many things that we go through the trauma. You know, a lot of these women I know go through PTSD and they never recover from it. You know, they never either seek the right help or are able to afford a psychologist and they live with these traumas and they can't better themselves because of it. So in this ministry, are you guys going to go directly to like the centers or are you guys going to uh, be involved in any like physical way of actually going out and finding these girls? So we actually want to go and find them. Um, and that's what we're being, we are being trained now by organizations that do that in other states. Um, so we're kind of being like mentored by um, some leaders that have experience in what kind of places you would go to to find these women and the signs to look out for, um, how to talk to them, um, just really how to reach them. So that's what we're focused on. And then hopefully um, helping them to partner with other places and resources that can really help them get out of it, um, have their own place to live, have a job and kind of have a new life. So we want to be that in-between person to link them to a better life, basically. Um, but our goal is really to kind of get on the front lines and get out there and find where they are. 
Amen. And how are you? How are you doing this training? Who who's training you? So it's actually we have a couple organizations. Um, one of them is called Exodus Cry, and they have training manuals for actually any organization that wants to do work like this. Amen. Um, you can buy their training manuals, CDs. They have a website, Facebook, and there's just so much information they give you to be able to start your own group. Um, also, another one called the Six One One Network. And they offer just free mentorship for anyone that wants to kind of uh, underdo this kind of work. They will walk you through it. They'll tell you everything they know. Um, and they'll physically go to you as well um, to teach you how to do these things. That's awesome. Yeah, that's actually pretty interesting. And I always wonder how I can get involved. So that's pretty interesting to know. Amen. And I'll tell you what, um, I'm sure later on after this, Maybe, Lori, you can get her some of the information so that way maybe down in Florida they can help and, and just be a part of this. You know, we're all part of the body of Christ. And if there's a resource that we can use to help each other in for the same fight, you know, and I believe that's a blessing, right? Amen. Yes, definitely. Lori, I want to get into this blog that you wrote, and it's essentially why I wanted to have this episode of this podcast with you. In this, uh, in this blog, um, she has a, a, a post that's called What Makes You Beautiful to the Girl Struggling with Insecurity. And I love it because this is for anyone that is going through insecurities, that are going through uh, low self-esteem. And I, I love this story because it's it's a personal story about you and, and the way you grew up. And um, I want to go through it and talk about some of the things that really stood out to me. Um, first, it says here that you grew up in a small town where you were the only Latina girl in the elementary school, middle school, and high school. That that must have been overwhelming and a little little crazy. Won't you agree? Yeah. Well, what happened was it was just, you know, my family moved to a, an area where, yeah, we were the only Latino family. And um, I was always in private school as well. So even in high school, there was a public high school that did have more Latina women and young girls, but I didn't go there. I always, I always had to go to the private school. So definitely hard because like I was never treated differently. I really was not. I was never put down because of being the only one of a different culture or anything like that. I had a lot of friends and a lot of wonderful friends. Yeah, I see here um, on your on your post, you yeah. and I apologize for interrupting. I, I love it because you wrote it here. You said, I had great friends who never made me feel different, but inside I felt different. So it wasn't that you were being treated negatively or you were being shunned. It was more of an internal way you felt, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, I kind of put that on myself that I was the one who looked different, even though they were so nice and so kind, you know, at the end of the day, I still wasn't really like them. And that, um, you know, started when I was just in elementary school, um, just noticing, you know, my hair's, you know, thick, it has like a coarse texture, it's frizzy, but theirs isn't. I'm a little bit thicker than they are and just little things like that, that um, I grew up starting just feeling bad about myself because of those things. Yeah. So basically um, what you're saying is like, it was just your own thoughts. There was nothing like maybe that you've seen on TV, magazines, or the people that you surrounded yourself with that made you feel this way. Is that what you're saying? Yes, exactly. Um, Cause especially as like a, a little girl, I wasn't really, um, I wasn't really looking at magazines or anything like that, or, you know, I was just watching cartoons. It wasn't 
really put in me by the media. It was just, um, I just felt different. Everyone was really skinny and kind of looked the same <laughs> and yeah. it just made me feel bad. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, um, and it's, it's a normal reaction, especially for a young person, you know, um, the hardest years are those middle school, high school years, because you're really trying to define who you are and you're really trying to find who you can connect with. And sometimes when you don't have anybody that looks like you, you, you expect them to, to treat you maybe differently or their, their habits or their customs or the things they even do just for fun. It could be so different to the way that you grew up, but you're trying to, you know, include them in things you bring in your culture. And sometimes it could be a little intimidating, right? To, to, you know, be a little different than what everyone else is, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah. And there is just, um, I was so grateful when I got to kind of the high school age, cause I got to meet more people that were like me, um, out of a church I went to that was a Spanish and it just kind of made me feel a lot more comfortable, a lot better. But, um, then, you know, there was still that kind of struggle there of like when I hang out with, you know, my friends who are white, there's definitely stuff they don't understand about the language, the culture, just kind of showing them things was important. Um, but yeah, at times it's definitely, you just kind of feel that difference and it gets overwhelming when you're the only one. Oh, I can't imagine. You wrote, I wish there was at least one other girl that looked remotely like me so I didn't stand out so much. And I just think that's that's just such a powerful statement. It really is true within our culture. You know, when we're around the people of our culture, we try to find a way that we can stand out, that we can look different because everyone else looks uh, the same as us. And sometimes it's very hard for you to be an individual when everyone is similar to you, comes from the same backgrounds and everything. So one of the greatest things about diversity is that you get to experience different lifestyles, different cultures, different uh, habits and, and things like that. And, and you get to grow in a society where you can learn from them and they can learn from us. And I think that's the beauty about um, this country is that it is that melting pot. You know, um, you can branch out and meet new people and not everyone looks the same and not everyone's going to have the same story. So I think it's just wonderful that even though at that time I know it was a difficulty for you, you were able to experience something different, which I'm sure um, made you the person that you are today. Yeah, definitely. I think um, going through those experiences I had um, really shaped me into who I am today. And, you know, also myself growing up um, with a culture that's very different from my own, I got to learn a lot from them and be open-minded, um, being able to overcome the difficulties and the difference kind of made me more confident in the end. Um, and now I'm able to also relate to anyone who feels that way um, and kind of help them get through it. So yeah, it definitely had an impact on me. That's awesome. Lori, let me ask you, how long have you been teaching for now? So I've been teaching, I think maybe about eight years, I would say. Eight years. That's awesome. And now as a teacher, are you able to spot that one person that's just a wonderer or that one person that feels like he's excluded? Have you had to deal with any of that as a teacher? Oh, yes, definitely. Um, I remember one instance actually many years ago um, at a school I worked at, we had to do cafeteria duty like once a week. So um, I would always notice one girl who sat alone from anyone else. And I would just try to kind of talk to her, find out why and just encourage her. Um, get to know her more and um, I mean, you definitely see that as a teacher a lot you could see it in the classroom and interaction with other students so 
Yes, I would say um, my eyes are definitely sensitive, especially to girls that um, were alone. Oh, wow. And I'll tell you what, it, it's so needed today because we're living in this era where there's so much bullying going on. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, unfortunately, there is a lot, especially in schools. Um, it, it's really sad uh, for why it happens, but it's definitely a problem um, for the youth to overcome, and it's it's very hard. Yeah, I feel like what back when we were growing up, it was a little bit, you know, when we were younger, it's a little bit different. You know, there wasn't the social media aspect of it. There wasn't the Facebooks and the Instagram where you're constantly trying to validate your worth and you're trying to validate, you know, your looks as to what people think you should look like or, or be like. And, you know, at least we had some sort of safety measure growing up where we didn't have that social media to worry about, you know, necessarily. We kind of just mm-hmm. worried about who were our friends and the ones that lived in our neighborhoods and the ones we went to school with. But now these kids, you know, they're getting younger and younger. And I don't agree with this, but they're getting younger and younger and they're getting Facebook accounts and they're getting Instagram accounts. And, you know, I have two kids and my oldest is 10 and I I don't want him having any of this, you know, at least through high school, because I just know that there is so much negativity that's on these uh, social media websites and, and and streams that i think it's just it's more uh detrimental to the growth of uh, of these kids than anything else right yeah i definitely feel like um things would have been worse when we were growing up if we had all that media and we definitely the youth definitely have it so much harder today because of all the apps that they use um it's difficult um with snapchat and instagram and just all these different ways that bullies happen I know a lot of schools have to, you know, sit down and have these kind of conferences with whole groups of students or whole groups of parents and just educate them on how to help their kids get out of bullying and how to um, put those barriers with social media. So I think kind of we were kind of blessed that we didn't really have those kind of struggles back then. Is there any any uh, correlation between the kids that are being bullied, the kids that are usually find themselves alone, the kids who are always looking for uh, some way to validate themselves and how they end up in sex trafficking? Is there any link between that? Yes, absolutely. Um, so there is um, kind of these tactics that people who are involved in sex trafficking um, use in order to lure someone in. Um, a lot of times people that are unaware of sex trafficking thinks, you know, this scary guy from a van comes and kidnaps a woman, but it's really not necessarily that way in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually uh, very common for a good looking man, a nice looking, friendly man to start talking to a younger girl and um, kind of pretend to like her, pretend to give her attention. And usually they pick girls specifically that look like they have low self-esteem. So if you're confident if you walk with your head up and you look like you know who you are, they typically won't approach you. Um, they typically target girls that are walking with their head down with a slouch and they look like um, that's going to be their next victim. So definitely they know how to talk these girls into trusting them. They know how to talk these girls into just lying to them, pretending like they like them. They'll give them some attention. And before you know it, these girls are in a trap that they never thought um, that was the whole purpose of the conversation. So definitely that low self-esteem has a really big part of, of the sexual Um What Lori said about how these um, um, human traffickers actually go for the girl with the low self-esteem, um, you know, for a reason, because it's easier to, you know, 
to take advantage of those girls. But um, I have had someone personally tell me they have trainers who kind of like what Lori said, seek the um, girls with the low self-esteem. Um, try and, to sweet talk take you. Yeah, try to sweet talk you and take advantage of these girls because they know that they have low self-esteem. And um, it's just crazy. Um, and I mean, what, like I would, I just wanted to ask Lori what her opinion would be on what the solution is for us to be able to help these young women know their value. Yeah, I mean, there's so many things that are deep in in every young girl, and it, it's just um, kind of have to look in yourself and really understand: do you love yourself or not? Um, do you believe who God says you are? Or do you just have such a low self-esteem and you're not sure what to do about it? And um, I feel like a lot of times uh, a home environment can contribute to that. Maybe like a toxic uh, family environment uh, with a lot of conflict that can cause low self-esteem in, in a young girl. Um, being, feeling rejected maybe by parents um, or someone that thought love them maybe reject them all these kind of things can happen to a girl to make her feel like she's not really worthy she's not really worth much um and also like a constant comparison to other people um kind of like what i did they look better than me they're prettier than me i'm not really worth much and then there's just you know the lies the devil brings uh which is really all that is from him just those negative thoughts um so it's important for girls to be aware of these things and really have that relationship with God to say, you know, God, I don't feel good about myself. I'm not confident. Show me why. Like, did something happen to me um, that I'm not dealing with? Uh, you know, show me these lies I've been believing about myself and help me overcome it. And to be able to kind of build up that confidence is key um, because, you know, like we said, they, they are very easy prey for targets and, it's you've got to just tell yourself I am worth it. I'm beautiful. I'm God's creation and I can overcome this so that when you're out walking places, you are safe. You can walk with your head high and a smile on your face and just be comfortable with who you are. Um, if not, you know, like we said, you are giving off a vibe and, you know, I could walk around today too and just kind of look and see people, just their mannerisms, their gestures, and you can kind of tell who's confident and not, um, Sometimes that's really obvious. So it's just something girls need to work on. Uh, be aware uh, of the problem. Try to find out where the problem started and then ask God to help you overcome it um, so that you can be okay. Amen. That's a great question and a great answer. Well, I want to get back to your blog because I just think, you know, we just continue because this is kind of like a like a playbook for everything you went through and everything these, these women go through also is very similar in the sense of, you know, you, you felt you needed that validation. Um, I love this because it says that um, during one night at this retreat, there was a dynamic preacher. When she was done, all the women began to pray. The speaker had passed around a mirror and challenged us one by one to look in it and say, I'm beautiful. When it was my turn, I couldn't do it. Can you tell us about that experience and what made you feel that way? Yes. So I was probably around 17 years old when that occurred. Um, I went on a retreat. It was amazing. And they had a lot of women preachers to uh, preach to us about a lot of different things that um, women, young women typically struggle with. So just like I wrote in my blog, um, 
it was a powerful experience for her to have all of us one by one pass around a mirror and say, I am beautiful. And I just remember I did not want to do it. I was so scared. I was dreading when that mirror would come to me because I thought there's no way I'm doing that. There's no way I can do that. I don't believe that. So how could I possibly say that to myself? Um, and I, you know, had to do it. I didn't want to just say no and be rude. Um, but, you know, and then it was my turn. I looked at myself. I just cried and cried. And I was like, okay, God, I'm going to do this. I'm going to try to do this. Yeah. So I, I did it and just broke down. And I felt like when I finally said, I am beautiful. And I looked at myself and I, I felt like a power of God, just like a move of God in my heart. When I said that, and I felt like I heard him saying, you are beautiful. I felt like it was the first time I heard God telling me that. And the first time I believed that. So it was a really like a breakthrough. It's when God kind of started the process of setting me free. Um, it was just a very powerful moment. And I'm just, I'm so grateful um, for that day. And would you consider that your breakthrough moment? Would you consider that? Because here you were already 17, but you know, you were dealing with this since you were a young girl and I'm sure you went through stress. I'm sure there must have been times of depression and I'm sure there were times where, you know, you were angry and now you're seven, you know, you're 17 years old. You grew up with these um, thoughts about who you were and and how unbeautiful you were and things like that. And then now you have this encounter with with God where you had to be confronted with with those demons. You had to be confronted with who you were and and you had to confront your mindset. And would you say that was your breaking moment at that moment where you started to realize, like, listen, I know my worth now. I know God made me beautiful. I know that I shouldn't be thinking this way. It, was that your moment there of breakthrough? Yeah, I would say that was definitely what definitely felt different um, after that happened. I felt like a weight was being removed um, and I was able to tell others, which was also just amazing and so fulfilling, but um, it definitely continued to be a process um, throughout my life to stay believing that and to kind of not fall back to old mentalities hmm. um, and old lies. But I would definitely say that moment is what started it all. Um, that moment gave me hope gave me life it gave me a whole new way of looking at myself is there any habits or anything like that that you know that you started incorporating in your daily life to believe that you're beautiful and that god made you you know valuable and 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 beautiful on your own skin so some habits that i uh incorporated was just drawing me to god strengthening my relationship with him um fasting um as well if I really, um, because later on I would kind of feel attacks of just thoughts flooding my mind of those old lies I used to believe. So, uh, I would have to fast, um, for them to go away. Um, and just really diving into the word of God and knowing who I am, who he made me to be. Um, one of my favorite verses is Psalm 139, 14, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. And that was a verse that I, I had to say that over and over and over. Um, I put it on my wall. I was sharing it with my family. I was like, let's talk about this verse. Let's say this verse out loud. <laughs> I needed that in order to stay free. Um, and there's plenty of other verses I meditated on too. Um, I also had a couple books I read, um, 
I read an awesome book. I wish I could remember the name of it, but I don't. It was so long ago, but it was all about your identity in Christ and perfect Bible verses to meditate on if you're someone that struggled with kind of insecurities, low self-esteem and things like that. And that book was really something that helped me a lot too, uh, to stay free and just constantly um, renewing my mind um, and even just looking at myself in the mirror again and just waking up and saying, you know, you are, you are beloved, you are important to God, you are the apple of his eye. Amen. Just kind of doing those things to yourself. Um, it just helped me a lot. Amen. I love that. And that's such a good example of what we can do because not only did you lay out kind of like a game plan that we can follow, if you, the listener, audience that listens to this, if you are experiencing ever uh, the emotions that she went through or you feel the way she did about yourself, that is a game plan. It is you need to connect with God. You need to have a sincere connection with God because God validates you. You know, we look for the validation of men so many times. And you know what? Men will fail you. God will not. So when you find your worth in God, you'll realize that you're going to grow courage and you're going to grow uh, uh, love for yourself and you're not going to care what other people think. And then not just that, but every day validate who you are and know that God made you a precious stone. God made you beautiful. And God, if you're a man, God made you handsome. And we have to learn to accept that and believe that. And then we have to meditate and focus on it, you know. Let that our, our spiritual life continue to lead us so that we're not impacted and susceptible to the fears of the flesh. Um, there's a scripture that I was telling my wife, you know, um, we were talking about, and that's funny that you bring that up, um, about memorizing scriptures. And there's a scripture I love. It's in 2 Corinthians uh, 4.16. It says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. So it really culminates what we should be doing that don't worry about the outwardly. Don't worry about that. You know, your flesh, eventually it's just going to wither away. You know, you're going to get wrinkles. You're going to get gray hairs. You know, the body is going to do what it's designed to do. But as long as inwardly you're being renewed day by day and you're encouraging yourself and you're filling yourself with the word of God and you're telling yourself that you're worthy and you're worth it and you're beautiful and you build your own esteem, um, God is going to validate you through that. And you're going to realize what's truly important. It's not the physical. It's the inwardly. It's the spiritual. Amen. Absolutely. Amen. And let me ask you, um, Lori, when you met your husband, Zach, and I haven't met him. I've seen him on your Facebook and he seems like a genuinely good, good person. And I'd love to meet him one day. But uh, when you met Zach, um, did any insecurities happen in the, the beginning stages of your relationship that you, you know, feel like, oh, man, I have to, you know, work harder you know, to gain his attention or I need to, you know, I can't let him see me without makeup or I, you know, I can't let him see me in, in, in just the way that I wake up. Like, obviously, you know, when you have that puppy love in the beginning, you know, no one wants to do anything that's embarrassing, but did those anxieties ever come back when you were in that dating process? And did you feel that you needed to keep validating who you were? Um, a little bit. I think those kind of thoughts of, yeah, I don't want him to see me without makeup. Those thoughts are definitely <laughs> there. Um, and I, you know, what helped was really him, honestly, just he is a really awesome man with so much faith and love. And he would just tell me, I don't care what you look like without your makeup, like you're beautiful with or without and you have a beautiful heart. Um, and I think hearing those words from him helped me a lot and just recognizing like we're human. It's OK to not look perfect all the time. Um, that's something I had to remind myself too. 
but I would say um, he helped me a lot with that, actually. No, that's awesome. And I'll tell you what, um, I learned this when I got married, you know, and I got, I got married a, a long time ago. And I'm, I'm grateful for the premarital counseling that I got. Um, be, right before we got married, this pastor taught us that he's like, when is going to be the best time of your marriage? And obviously we're like oh right now we're young you know we're we're gonna travel and you know i love her and she you know i don't want her to hang up she doesn't want me to hang up and no you hang up first no i hang up first right and he starts laughing you know he's like yeah that's that's funny he's like i'm gonna tell you something he's like i'm gonna break it to you your marriage he was like it is gonna be the most difficult unbearable thing I would say for the first five years. And I was like, how, you know, this is honeymoon period. You know, this is the time where we love each other. We actually like being with each other. And he says, no, this is the time where you're going to encounter who you really are. You're going to be vulnerable. You're going to see each other's strengths, weaknesses, each other's habits, and you got to put up with it. He says, you know, when your marriage is really going to be great, he was like, it's going to be great when you're already five, 10 years in, you've already dealt with the difficulties you dealt with the bad habits you've dealt with this person drives me nuts stop leaving the socks or stop leaving the dishes or stop doing this stop doing that he's like you're gonna get past that stage and then you're gonna have a stage where now you're comfortable with each other now you trust each other and then that's when the 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 marriage truly starts to flourish so i would just say to Lori, and i know um she's just recently married but i will say this to any one of our listeners is that um, always work in your marriage, always love and respect each other and know that if things get hard, just push through it because eventually it's going to get to a point where there's going to be a, a respect and there's going to be a complacency, not complacent to not try anymore, but a complacency where you know where each other stands, you know where your love is, and you're not worried about those little tiny things anymore that used to, you know, cause fights and arguments. They're just, they don't matter. You know, you learn to grow and you, you learn to love each other and and you learn to lift each other up. And I think that's the most important uh, advice I ever got, you know, before marriage. So I embraced it and I expected it to be bad. And, you know, we had our, our, our you know, turbulent moments, but we knew it was part of what he had taught us. And now ultimately we, we've grown together and we've learned to, you know, respect each other, love each other. And I think that now we're able to share that with others, you know, other young couples that are getting married or are going through some obstacles with time, it does get better. So that's just something I wanted to add. And and I wanted to share with you, Lori. Thank you. That is really good advice. I appreciate that. Yeah. Amen. Absolutely. Um, we're going to wrap it up in a minute. Um, let me ask you this last question to add to this. If if there is anyone that is feels that they're in danger or if they feel that they're being preyed on by some one of these, uh, you know, like a pedophile or one of these people that uh, look like they, they deal with child trafficking or they're just not comfortable. And where can they seek help? Where should they go to? Who should they speak to? So definitely, um, you know, you can talk to the authorities and local police and they're on top of it. Um, I think if you even like kind of suspect maybe you're being followed or you were, you were approached or something like that, I would definitely go to the local police. Um, there is also the national human trafficking hotline, um, which it's, if I say the number, it's one eight eight eight. Three seven three seven eight eight eight, and uh, that's another resource. Um, definitely, if it's 
um, you know, times when kids are back in school and stuff like that, school counselors and teachers can definitely tell them um, to get them help. So, yeah, just all those kind of adults that are there to help you out um, should help you if you just speak up and tell somebody. Amen. And we also as ministers and as members of a church, we're also uh, regarded as mandated reporters. So mm-hmm. we have a responsibility where if we see that somebody is being abused or we believe they're being abused, for example, you know, look for the warning signs. Like uh, Lori just said, if you see that there's young people and they're showing up and they're afraid or, you know, they constantly have emotionals or they have anxieties or if you see physical um, physical things like, you know, they, they're constantly having bruised or they're scratched and, you know, they're scared, you know, all the time. Those should be signs. And as a mandated reporter, you know, it is your duty and responsibility to speak up uh, for the voice of this child who's probably afraid to speak up for themselves. You know, it is your job to investigate and not necessarily go to the person's house, but it's your job to inform the authorities and inform uh, people that you think and suspect something's going on. And um, I know the police will take that very seriously, especially when it involves younger children and um, with everything that's going on in today's world. Um, we need to be brave and we need to have be willing to take that responsibility and be mandated reporters and, and speak up. So I would definitely um, I appreciate that, Lori, because and, and handing out the phone number, because I'm sure there are some people that just don't know how to get this information. Lori, I appreciate you being on Kingdom Talk with us. It was such a pleasure to talk to you and catch up with you. And um, I'm just thankful and, and thank you for that. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This is a really awesome opportunity to talk with both of you. And I appreciate you having me on. Definitely. Thank you for your time and, and for speaking to us and educating us um, the human trafficking and giving us your story as well. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Lori, her blog is Lori Beth with two H's at the end, L-O-R-I-B-E-T-H-H dot com, LoriBeth.com slash blog. And the blog that we spoke of today, the post is What Makes You Beautiful to the Girls Struggling with Insecurity. You can read that and you can read all her other posts on her blog. And I really think that it will lift you up and it will encourage you. And it's it's personal and, it, and she speaks from experience. And I know I can vouch for her and the type of person she is. So, Lori, I thank you for being here. God bless you. God bless your husband. Thank you. God bless you and your ministry and your family as well. Amen. Sister Yvette, thank you always for co-hosting. God bless you. God bless you.